Are you ready for the word? Well, what I want to do today is uh, I want to just look at the same passage that Ian looked at last week. Um, he gave us such a great overview of that, but I want to just focus in on one aspect of it, and that is the, the message that the angel brought. So let's just read the passage, and uh, I just pray that the Lord will take this and just bring a new insight or a fresh reminder of the significance of what we are celebrating at this time of the year. So Luke chapter 2 verse 1 to 14, let's just read it together. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on peace on the earth peace among those with whom he is blessed you know as we come to christmas it's very easy to read a story like this and to just think that it is folklore that it is some imagination some imaginary story that people have made up it's so easy to do this because so much of christmas is exactly that it's so easy to treat a story like this as we would Santa and the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's so easy for us to think about the birth of Christ as just being folklore. Because we're so familiar with it, it's easy for us to sing these carols, and yet the words don't really strike our hearts because we've sung them so many times. So I pray today that just as we look at this passage, we would realize the significance of what we are celebrating and what we're remembering at this time of the year. We need to remember that this is a historic event that's being accounted to us here in this passage. If we just look at verses 1 to 3 again, it speaks of a decree that came out from Caesar Augustus for this registration or the census to, be take, to take place in the Roman Empire. And as we all know, Caesar Augustus was a real man. He's a historic figure. If you open history books, you will, you will see Caesar Augustus in those history books. And this census that Luke is telling us about is something that really did take place. 
it's not just a story, it's not just a novel that he thought about um, in his imagination and wrote down. He is giving us a historical account of things that took place. And so he even goes as far as to tell us when this happened. He says it took place at the time of the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. He's giving us very specific facts relating to this event. And Quirinus was also a real person that is mentioned in historical books. And so we see Luke is very precise with giving us this account. And the reason he's very precise is because the person to whom he was writing this account and giving this account to, he wanted him to know for certain of these events, to know that these things actually did take place. They're not just part of our Christmas uh, story, not just something that's been made up by people through their imagination. And so I pray today that as we look at this account, that that's the way we would receive it. We would receive it as a historical account of an actual event that really did take place. And so we can then in that light see the significance that this event has for us. So let's move on and ask a question. Why did God send his angels to those shepherds that night? Well, he sent them, as we can see, to announce to them that a baby had been born. A very important baby. A baby more important than any other baby that has ever been born in the history of mankind or ever will be born. You know, when Prince George was born on July the 22nd, 2013, there was an announcement of his birth that was made in Britain. A framed notice of the birth was placed in a ceremonial easel outside Buckingham Palace, which announced his birth as the third in line to the throne. The king's troop, the royal artillery, delivered a 41-gun salute in Green Park to announce his birth. And the Honorable Artillery Company, the City of London's Army Reserves Regiment, fired a total of 62 rounds from Gun Wharf at the Tower of London. I don't know whether you knew that. Well, if you didn't, you know it today. And so you can see up on this slide, there, there is the, the guns on, on, on the, uh, near the Tower of London. There's the, the guns announcing his birth in Green Park. And so because he was a significant baby and his birth was significant in the history of, of Britain, there was this great fanfare that was made as his birth was announced. Do you know that that's exactly what was happening on the day Jesus was born? But there were some differences. When Prince George was born, men announced his birth. But when Jesus was born, angels announced his birth. He's the only person in history that has ever had angels come and announce his birth. God announced his birth because he was born the son of God. When Prince George was born, his birth was announced with much fanfare because it marked a significant time in the history of Britain. But when Jesus was born, his birth was announced with far greater fanfare because it was significant not just in Britain, but in the entire world. 
his birth was going to have an impact on the world that no one else's birth has ever had. And if we just look at history over the last 2,000 years, we can see the impact his birth has had on not just one nation, not just Israel, but on the entire world and continues to do so even to this day. So let's just have a look now at how the angel announced Jesus' birth and the words that he used to announce it. Because when Prince George was born, there was the, these words were framed and put on that easel telling him exactly who Prince George was. And this is what the angel did. The angel came to the shepherds, and this is what he said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, when we hear those words, Christ the Lord, it may not mean too much to us. You know, as I've traveled around this country, I've often asked people, why is Jesus called Jesus Christ? Why is Jesus of Nazareth referred to as Jesus Christ? And it's quite interesting some of the answers I've got. I remember one person said to me, it's his surname. Some people viewed it, that, that Christ was his surname, that we were just Jesus Christ. And you know, even if we may not think that, when we consider the word Christ, we may not have a real understanding of what that meant when the angel said, Christ the Lord has been born. We may not have the same kind of understanding that the shepherds had when they heard those words. Last week, if you were here, you would have heard Ian said that the word Christ means anointed one. And it does. It's exactly what it means. But even when you say anointed one, to many people, they'll say, well, what does that mean? And so today, I want to just unpack this phrase that the angel used to announce Jesus' birth, as he announced who he was. Because when he said, Christ the Lord has been born, he was telling the shepherds who this little baby that was in a manger was. Why is Jesus known as Jesus Christ? Let's consider this. To, to answer this, we have to ask ourselves, what did the angels hear when they heard those words? What did those words mean to those shepherds? And we can see from Scripture what they meant. The, if you think of the story of the wise men, the wise men came to Jerusalem following that star, we lead, read the account in Matthew 2, 1 to 5, and I just want to read it because it's going to help us gain some insight into what this phrase means and what it meant to the shepherds. It says there, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, notice this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So that's the question that they're asking. They're looking for the one who's been born as the king of the Jews. And then they said, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them. Now notice what he, in he inquires. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So when Herod heard the wise men ask, 
where's the king of the Jews that's been born? Herod heard, where is the Christ who has been born? You see, the word Christ had great significance to him. When he heard that word, there was meaning attached to it. It wasn't just this word that is sort of empty and void. Then he calls the, the, the chief priests and scribes. Now look at what their answer was. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. So they knew where the Christ was going to be born. And how did they know this? Well, he tells us, for so it is written in the prophet. So these scribes and chief priests were able to tell Herod exactly where the Christ, the king of the Jews, was to be born for one reason. They had read what was written in the prophets. They had the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, and they knew what it said. And so this is very important because the Jewish people, including those shepherds that were out in the fields that night, because they had a knowledge of the Old Testament and they had a knowledge of what the Old Testament said about this one who was called Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the, the words of the angels had meaning to them. All right, so do you see that? You see, right from the very beginning, from the very day Adam and Eve sinned, God began to proclaim through his prophets that there would be a man who would be born, who would come and save the world. It happened right, the first prophecy about the Christ, this Messiah, was actually given way back in Genesis chapter 3 on the very day Adam and Eve sinned. And from that time on, God began to speak repeatedly and constantly through the generations, through the mouths of His prophets. As they announced the one who in Hebrew is, is referred to as Hamashiach, who in Greek is referred to as Ho Christos, and whom we call the Christ or the Messiah. And so all of these prophecies that God gave through the prophets were written down by the prophets. And they went into such detail. You know, God gave such detail about Jesus before he even came into this world. We're talking over a period of 1,500 years. This is one of the great evidences that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Because we have prophecies about the Lord Jesus going back 1,500 years before He came, written down that long before He came, that um, foretell every detail about Him. Hundreds of prophecies. Right from where He would be born, as we've seen, to what tribe He would come from, what family He would come from. All the circumstances surrounding his birth. You know, the prophets even prophesied that angels would announce his birth. That angels would worship him at his birth. It was all foretold hundreds of years before. And the Jewish people had those scriptures and they studied them. And they, they, they investigated them and discussed them. And so in their synagogues, Sabbath after Sabbath, they would be talking about this one that God had foretold would come, who is the Christ. And so with all that knowledge and all that background to who the Christ was, what he was going to do, who he was going to be, 
When the angels came to the shepherds that day, and, they, and the angels said, Christ the Lord has been born today. They understood what that angel was telling them. They understood that what he was saying is the one that's been prophesied and foretold all those years ago has come. God has begun to fulfill his word. Now, let's just have a look at some of the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. Moses, in his writings, he foretold that Jesus would be an Israelite, that he would come from the tribe of Judah, that he would crush the head of the serpent Satan, that through him all nations of the earth would be blessed, and that God would put his words in his mouth and require that everyone who wants to be a part of his people should listen to and obey him. That's what Moses tells us about him. David prophesied that the Christ would be one of his descendants, that he would be God's son. Mysteriously, he would be David's son, and yet he would also be God's son. That he would be king over all the world. He would sit at God's right hand. That he would inherit the entire earth. That all nations would serve him, and that he would rule them with a rod of iron, and that the kings of the earth would bow before him, and the enemies, his enemies would lick the dust. That he would judge the people with righteousness and justice. That he would be God's high priest forever. And that everyone who takes refuge in him would be blessed. You see, these are the kind of thoughts that began to flood the shepherds' minds when the angel gave them this announcement. Isaiah prophesied that Christ would suffer and die for the sins of God's people. That he would rise again from the dead. He would make intercession for them. And that through him they would be justified in the sight of God. Isn't it amazing that all this was spoken about? This particular prophecy that Isaiah gave 700 years before Jesus was even born and was on this earth. Isaiah also foretold that he would be called the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that the government of God would be on His shoulders. And that of His greatness and His government and His peace, there would be no end. That He would restore the twelve tribes of Israel back to God. That He would bring light to the nations. And that salvation, God's salvation, would come to the ends of the earth through Him. Isaiah said he would reign on David's throne. That's why he would be the king of the Jews. And he would establish and uphold justice and righteousness forever. These are the kind of prophecies that the Jews were looking at every single Sabbath in their synagogues. Jeremiah prophesied that he would bring God's people righteousness. Ezekiel, that he would shepherd God's people faithfully. And Malachi, that he would be the messenger of the covenant who would come with healing in his wings. These are the prophecies, just a few of the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. And every single one of these was fulfilled that day when Jesus was born. Isn't that incredible? 
You see, what these prophecies serve to do is they serve to build in our minds this picture of who Jesus is and what He came to do. And so, I pray today that even as we consider the words that the angel brought to the shepherd, that we would have a deeper understanding of the significance of what we're remembering and celebrating at this time of the year. Jesus came to fulfill every single one of these prophecies. I just try to put myself in the shoes of those angels as they stood there and they looked and saw the glory of God and heard these words and what was racing through their minds as they went into Bethlehem to see this little baby. I pray that we would have that same kind of sense of joy and just amazement at what God has done. Because the fact is this, the birth of Jesus has just as much significance for every single one of us here today as it did for those shepherds 2,000 years ago. And we may say, well, how can the birth of a baby born 2,000 years ago, a man who lived 2,000 years ago in a foreign dispensation, in a foreign land, how can his birth still be significant and relevant to me today? And the answer is simple. This baby grew up, died on a cross for our sins, and was raised again from the dead to live forevermore. And so this baby that we're talking about today is still alive, and he's seated on the throne of God with all authority in heaven and on earth, with all the angels in subjection to him, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, worshipped and served by every angel that's in heaven, glorified at God's right hand. And because he's alive and his kingdom is everlasting and his rule will never end, he is just as much able to save us as he was the shepherds back then. Isn't this amazing? He is the unchangeable God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is the Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God today. And He's the Jesus who is coming back at the end of this age to bring salvation for all those that are waiting for Him. Isn't that incredible? And so this is why we can rejoice today. Because what the Jews were waiting for expectantly at that time, the birth of the Christ, the fulfillment of God's prophecy, we can say today has happened. We can look back on it. We live in such a privileged time because we have the, the prophecies of God fulfilled in Christ. The Word of God made flesh before our eyes. Isn't this wonderful? You know, the needs of people, our needs, when you think about it, the needs of those shepherds back then, 2,000 years ago, and our needs today have not changed, really. Even though we live in this postmodern era and we have all the technology, you know, we hold these things in our hands and 
things that if those shepherds were to be translated into this life, they would be absolutely confused and bemused by. When it comes down to the very core of what we need as people, nothing has changed. They needed food, we need food. They needed drink, we need drink. They needed to sleep, we, needed to, we need to sleep. They needed forgiveness for their sins, and so do we. They needed a relationship with God, and so do we. They needed to be reconciled with God, and so do we. All the technology that we have today, all our learning and advancement in our understanding of physical things, of matter, of, of uh, science, etc., has not changed our fundamentally core need as people, and that is to be saved from our sins. That is to have a hope that goes beyond the grave, a hope, the hope of eternal life. And that's what Jesus Christ came to bring, not just to that generation, but to our generation as well, as well. Not just to the people of Israel, but to the people of every nation, race, tribe, and tongue. And that's why we can rejoice today. My prayer for every single one of us today is that we would not forget the, the meaning of what we are celebrating at this time. That all the fanfare would not diminish the significance and the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ has come. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we're just so grateful today. So thankful to you that you have done what you promised and foretold you would do. That you have brought Christ, the anointed one, the Lord of heaven and earth into this world so that we might be saved. Oh Lord, we thank you for this today. We thank you for the impact it has already had on our lives. We thank you for the significance that it holds, not only in our lives today, but in our future eternally. Father, I pray that as we rejoice, as we celebrate, as we remember this time, that this would be right at the very center and the very core of our celebrations and our joy. Father, thank you that even those who may have reasons not to rejoice, may not have family, may not have friends around them at this time, Lord, they still have a reason to rejoice because Jesus has been born for them. So I pray today, Lord, may the reality of what took place 2,000 years ago in history and its significance really strike and impact our lives today and forevermore. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.